0: Hello, my name is Claire and you are listening to the Birthing Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is really exciting. I speak to Hayley. Hayley is a nutritionist. Um, she also has experience of using hypnobathing herself and she actually was a listener of the podcast when she was pregnant which is great and that's how we connected uh, because she had a positive experience after listening to the podcast which is fantastic but also she's a nutritionist which is fantastic and I saw an opportunity to have her come on and talk all about preconception nutrition and also pregnancy nutrition. And what we're also going to do is we're going to do a second episode, probably at the beginning of next year, all about postpartum nutrition and also talking about weaning uh, for when it's time for the baby to uh, eat solid food. So we kind of... Didn't do the all in one episode because it would have been really, really long. So we're going to split them up. Um, and today's episode is purely about preconception and then uh, pregnancy nutrition. Now, just to caveat the whole entire episode, Haley is a nutritionist, but she isn't a GP. So please always consult a doctor or a nutritionist before you change any part of your diet rapidly. So please don't stop eating anything or start taking things um, before speaking to your doctor or a nutritionist or uh, possibly your midwife as well. Also, I would say, if you can, get a pen and a paper while listening to this episode, because Hayley talks about different supplements, uh, you know, different things to eat, and it might just be useful for you if you have somewhere that you can scribble it down while she's saying it, because, there's a lot of really useful information, so that would be my advice as well. But I will play the episode now. Enjoy. So, hello, Haley. Thank you for coming onto the podcast. If you would like to introduce yourself to the listeners, yes. Yeah, so, my name's um, Haley.
1: I'm a nutritional therapist, um, and I have been since 2016. Um, and I'm a mum of two, Lexi, who is four, and Luci Luciano, who is seven months old.
0: Beautiful names. I love the name Lexi. It's so pretty. Um, so hypnobirthing, what, what does hypnobirthing mean to you? Like, how is it important in your journey with your children?
1: Yeah, so I, I didn't um, come across it at all when I had Lexi. Um, and I think based on my experience with Lexi um when I was pregnant with Lucci I I came across it, I think someone recommended it to me and um I didn't really want a repeat of my first experience which I can talk about if you want me to but um so I kind of started to I, and I think I came across it quite um late in my pregnancy so um I think it was sort of more about like 30 weeks or something about about that. Right. So I um kind of grabbed the book and um listened to your podcast. So I didn't do a course, but I yeah. um, I still found it really, really helpful. Um and kind of was listening to your podcast whilst I was in hospital and stuff. So that
0: was <laughs> amazing. That's a real privilege. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was really good. It was uh, I just found, yeah,
1: you're obviously very like relaxed and make the whole thing feel relaxed. So, you know, when those nerves started to like build a bit, I kind of brought myself down by listening, listening to a couple of things that you'd, you'd said. So yeah, it was really useful to me.
0: Amazing. And it helps during your, your birth? Um, yes. So um, so to explain, so with Lexi, I, I, was,
1: so I was induced with both, both my babies for different reasons. So with Lexi, I had um, uh, an induction due to suspected reduced growth at the end of the pregnancy so um and it was my first baby so obviously I you know went with that um and I had a very kind of long painful induction and uh, which ended with a full sex delivery so um <laughs> and then unfortunately with Lucci, so. Uh, his growth didn't tail at all but because of my experience with Lexi they monitored me more so you can see where this is going so I was monitored more and then um I think I had a scan at 39 and a half weeks which seems a bit odd really but um Actually, his growth was still absolutely fine, and he was born at eight pounds, so really nice size. But um, what they did, uh, well, as soon as they said this in the scan, I was like, oh, no. Um, so they they um, found this, uh, what they call particulate, which isn't that common, so which could be kind of suspected meconium, I guess, in your waters. The scan picked up all these little particles, right. um, which could be just kind of normal um particles in your fluid it could be a bit of blood but could also be meconium so they um then i went down this induction road again um mm. and um yeah but th- so this time i was just a bit more um prepared and um relaxed i had all the gear <laughs> in hospital um you know all the kind of set it up as you as you recommend kind of with all the lighting and the Lovely. You know, listening to your podcast and the music and I was kind of very prepared with the statements that meant something to me and then it took a bit, a bit of a funny turn um, because I suppose I'd been really calm and I'd had the the rods you know that they use now yes. uh, yeah yeah um, yeah and, I, and I've kind of um gone through like they, um, well they'd asked me if I wanted gas and air to put those in and I wasn't expecting that at all I was suddenly thinking oh you know, this is, is this gonna be much more painful than I'm expecting. I breathed, breathed through it, didn't have the gas and air. And, and um and just sort of was really calm and and, and I think it, it just got to the point where I'd had my waters broken. And I'd also had an awful night's sleep, as in probably about an hour, because I was in the labour ward and I'd heard someone overnight labouring all night. It made me really... That actually was a bit of a trigger for me. It made me quite anxious, I think. And when my waters were broken, I didn't respond with contractions in their two-hour window that they sort of set. So um, they were talking about the drip. And I think my mind suddenly then went back to what I'd had with Lexi. And I sort of went no, no, I don't want this again. So I did a massive U-turn and I just started saying to my husband, Am i mad, you know, I, I'm thinking, I just want to have a cesarean. I want, I want my baby out. Um, and yeah. I think because my sister had had a cesarean, um, you know, and if people around you'd had them and they're successful, then I think you kind of feel reassured by that. And yeah. so that's the road that I went down not I'm you know I could still debate as to whether that was the right decision and it certainly wasn't a medically advised decision so it was definitely my choice but yeah that's the road that I went down and and, and I think hypnobirthing helped me to kind of make that decision quite boldly and also to be accepting of the decision I made afterwards um which I have you know I haven't kind of ruminated or felt yeah. sort of you know guilty or those emotions that you can feel
0: after. And so that's I mean that's the thing as well like that's it doesn't necessarily matter how your labor goes like that's what we always say you know that decision that you made that was right for you and like you said it wasn't a medic medical reason why you chose that but based on your own previous experience as well that was, yeah. was best for you and the other thing that I thought actually was you were scanned so late yeah like you usually like you, somebody wouldn't be scanned that late would they and therefore you wouldn't that would never have been picked up and so I suppose it's like one of those things that that led to to that you know and it's debatable whether like you said that was kind of the right thing or or not but you don't know do you until you're there at the time so um but yeah you all you can do is make those best decisions for yourself in that moment which it sounds like you did
1: yeah, I, it's really difficult, isn't it? We, You, you know, I've, I've talked to you a bit about this. I think I sent you a message after saying it almost feels like unless I was sort of having children on a desert island with no possible monitoring, um, <laughs> I, I feel like I kind of, once you're in that system, it's really difficult. And when you're faced with the possible consequences at that point in pregnancy, when you've been carrying a baby for 40 weeks, and of course, you, you just mentally can't reconcile that risk, even though the risk like you talk about is so minimal. Yeah.
0: Um, of course. And you're at that point, you're at that stage in your pregnancy. You're so vulnerable because you are at the end, you're about yeah. to have your baby. So, yeah, it's completely understandable why why people make those choices at that point. It's very difficult, like yes. you said, to sometimes argue against it when you're so far in and feel comfortable with that as well okay so let's discuss the nutrition side yeah yeah that's good yeah okay so I've got some questions um that I'm gonna ask just as talking points and then we also had some listener questions as well um some people who asked as well so we may well cover them in yeah. what we're saying here but if not we'll ask them at the end okay so why is nutrition so important during pregnancy? I think there's, there's loads of reasons why, and one of them is sort of
1: what I was just saying, really. I think the fact that I was <clears throat> I maintained a good level of health, um, and when I say health, I mean physically and mentally, um, throughout my pregnancy, as a result of hypnobirthing, but also as a result of eating well and, and staying active, I think that really helped to... Prepare me for the for the end stage and and post birth when your emotions are so volatile and it's very easy. Like I did with Lexi. After Lexi, I suffered with some postnatal anxiety, and I think my postnatal recovery after my second baby was so much better because I think I was um, you know, really prepared and, and probably more consciously considered my lifestyle you know pr- prior to having having the baby. Um, So I think that was really, really helpful. Obviously, I'm going to say at this point, when we talk about nutrition during pregnancy, it's really important, I think, not to... So what I'm going to be talking about is like an ideal scenario. And we know that there's lots of reasons, including awful sickness, why women can't always eat what they ideally would want to be eating. And I think it's really important to say that that's okay and that, you know, babies um, thrive and survive through all sorts of pregnancies and different scenarios and I think not eating optimally is probably only going to maybe impact you rather than your baby because your baby will feed off anything that you've got stored and your baby will your baby will be absolutely fine
0: yeah so as, as far as I believe yeah or as I know the baby will take everything it needs from what you've got like you just said and then it's you that may not have the right things you need
1: yeah yeah, you may end up feeling depleted, which obviously isn't ideal. But I think when women are pregnant, their, their main concern is the baby. So I just wanted to reassure people and say that your baby will be fine. And, we, you know, we know that um, women have appalling sickness throughout the whole of pregnancy and, and can barely eat anything other than sort of bread and water and, and their babies are born absolutely healthy. So um, this is all about optimal and ideal. So I think that's just really important to say. So obviously eating well, um you know helps with the pregnancy itself because it keeps you kind of mentally strong or physically strong um and it's it's also really important for other reasons like encouraging your baby's taste development which is something that people don't always consider so if you can um trying to eat as varied a diet as possible really helps because your baby develops taste within the womb so if you can kind of start that journey off early you know eating lots of different types of foods spicy foods things like that it will really help with when your baby's born and later weaning it will really help with that process and make it a lot more straightforward
0: one so my mum throughout her pregnancy with me and my brother she ate a curry like a hot spicy curry every single week um, and we both of us as a result like love spicy like i love yeah. the spicier the better um, so obviously i then ate really spicy food throughout my pregnancies and my youngest who's only 3 like she will she loves spice like she will eat spice like with no problem not as spicy obviously as I would eat but for a 3 year old and and I truly I truly believe that that is because that's what my mum ate so that's why I I like it and that's what I then ate and therefore she's maybe a bit more um able to kind of eat that food yeah, yeah. that's amazing yeah
1: that's exactly that's exactly what we want and I think it's you know, we can talk about, I think we said we might do another podcast a bit lazy with sort of, um, kind of weaning and things like that. But I think um, the it's really important that um, you kind of just try and expose, continue that journey. So exposing your children to those flavours, even in small amounts when they're after, you know, when they're being weaned, even if you're kind of diluting a curry with lots of yogurt or something it's just kind of the tiniest bit of that flavor will just start to develop their taste buds so and that all starts when when you're pregnant so that's that's a really good um argument for kind of um eating as varied a diet as you can i think and and there's also the the element of morning sickness there there is some research to suggest that morning sickness isn't caused by any deficiency but it can be worsened by being deficient in particular b vitamins like magnesium and b6 so it's sort of which is a kind of a bit of a frustrating chicken and egg scenario because obviously if you're being sick all the time you can't kind of hold on to the nutrition which is then kind of worsening the sickness so it is a bit of a frustrating cycle but if you can try and try and break that by you know forcing supplements down and stuff which is which again is quite hard for some people because I know that from my pregnancy especially with Lexi they've really made me feel sick the supplements yeah, taking the tablets it was quite difficult at the beginning but um
0: is that something that perhaps people need to kind of be aware of pre-conception in terms of those levels of certain vitamins and things? yeah
1: so I guess and again we're talking ideally um you know <laughs> I think probably from about 12 weeks prior to conception, in an ideal world, you'd be starting to kind of optimise all your nutrition. Um, so I think for women, particularly thinking about folic acid, so that's a, that's a really big one, isn't it? Which we which most of us are sort of aware of. Um, so making sure that you've got your levels kind of much higher than you would normally, so in excess of about 400 um, micrograms a day. Um, so a good, a good quality um, Pregnancy multivitamin and mineral should contain that level, and you can take more. Um, you just need to be careful when you're pregnant after the first sort of twelve weeks of reducing folic acid. If you're taking a lot more than that, um, you need to just cut it down a little bit because it's not ne- necessary after that point of pregnancy. Right. Um, but yeah, making sure that you're taking that because again, it reduces the risk of those um, kind of neural tube defects and things like that. Again, but you know, I know that you're a big. Um, you put a lot of emphasis on this word risk. So again, there are millions and millions of children born into this world um, whose parents have not taken folic acid supplements um, and are absolutely healthy and fine. So sometimes people don't realise they're pregnant initially and then really worry about it. And the chances are everything will be totally fine, but this is all about an ideal scenario. So
0: Exactly. If you have, yeah, the luxury of, of knowing and yes. being able to prepare. Um, yes. So what is there anything else that we should be eating or anything like that kind of preconception? And I'm aware that probably most people listening to this are probably already <laughs> pregnant. Um, but you never know, like in the future, if they uh, you know, want to know a bit more about this. What what can we be eating in an ideal world prior to actually conceiving?
1: Okay, so um so I guess men and women. So the folic acid is very much a female nutrient. So men and women um to start with should be simply following a diet that we would consider to be healthy for anyone. So you're looking at kind of um, making sure they're having lots of whole grains, um, lots of hydration, lots of water, an abundant amount really of fruit and vegetables. There's no kind of cap on that. Um, Making sure that they're having kind of just being a little bit mindful of um, anything that can sort of disrupt hormones. So you're looking at sort of sugar, caffeine, alcohol, and making sure and also dairy as well so making sure that they're kind of limited I don't really like to use extremes in terms of cutting out unless people uh, find that something particularly disagrees with them I don't really like to say cut stuff out but just be mindful of how much you're having and also I'd say preconception particularly with a woman if if she's got any kind of underlying kind of digestive issues say something like ibs really trying to make sure that those sorts of things are ironed out prior to conceiving because as we know more and more your gut health is a real it really determines your your overall health and your fertility so making sure that your gut health is optimal um, is quite important so i think yeah in addition to those things um omega three is really important for men and women prior to conception Um, so it's something that will really improve your kind of cellular health in general but it also um, increases your cervical mucus and it um, also increases your blood flow to your uterus as well so making sure that you're having lots of kind of oily fish if you eat fish um, or um, a vegan alternative would be like flaxseed and you can obviously supplement as well with those things Um, and vitamin d um, is also really important for both men and women prior to conception so it will improve sperm quality and also reduces the risk of preeclampsia and miscarriage as well so these like micronutrients it's it's important people don't kind of overly worry or obsess about them but it's also useful to know and make sure that your multivitamin and mineral contains contains all of these so just to finish the the um, preconception nutrients that are also useful are kind of zinc um, selenium vitamin e and beta carotene and they're really important for both men and women in terms of kind of sperm health but also um, egg health and um, fertility for women as well
0: i didn't i never knew that about omega-3 in the cervical mucus that's that's uh, really interesting
1: yeah and uh, and uh, you know it's really important isn't it to have that kind of indicator of when you're fertile and stuff yeah. um and and be aware of that so yeah yeah really important i mean omega-3 is something that i kind of recommend in abundance to sort of anyone really no matter what reason they come and see me um it's it's just so important and something that we're often deficient in in this in this country so
0: okay so all of the people that are trying to get pregnant they've eaten all those amazing foods and nutrients and they're now pregnant what food is there anything specific that we should be eating during pregnancy like what sorts of things should we be eating Okay, so I'd say
1: definitely carry on with all of the above or everything I've just discussed with a couple of so a couple of caveats there. So with your folic acid, like I said earlier, just be mindful. Um, you don't want to overdo folic acid once you've passed that initial kind of um, brain and spinal cord development phase within the womb. So you kind of want to be sort of 10, 12 weeks if you're taking, you know, more than 400 micrograms a day, I would just suggest to cut that back. Um, so basically folic acid will be included in your multivitamin and mineral pregnancy supplement. That's fine. Continue to take that. Um, in fact, you can take even more of that supplement during pregnancy. But if you were taking an additional folic acid supplement on top of that, just cut that back at this stage. So I'd say water, um, which sounds obvious, but water is so important in pregnancy because you know your blood volume increases massively um and you just need to stay hydrated and i i was really guilty of not doing this quite a lot and you're often kind of quite busy especially if you've got other children and it's really easy to not drink enough when you're
0: pregnant and and if you if you breastfeed um you wee a lot as well when you're pregnant so you have to like drink more but you're already weeing loads aren't you so it's hard to get it in yeah i know you just need to it feels like you're constantly constantly
1: drinking or on the actually, um, so, yeah, you need to, I guess, probably increase your water intake by at least 40%, if not doubling it, really. Obviously, that will also make sure that your um, environment within the womb, your amniotic fluid levels are as healthy as possible. So staying hydrated is really important, and it helps to prevent anxiety and any mental health um, issues. So, yeah, water is, water is definitely um, key. Um, and then I'd say focusing particularly on your Amiga, in the first and third trimester so making sure that if you were say taking a fish oil supplement you could almost double that um in your first trimester when the um, fetus's brain is developing and also in the third i i was amazed actually when i was um pregnant with Lucci how much the brain develops in those last kind of you know months, that last month of pregnancy yeah. i mean you know the size of the brain of the baby kind of almost doubles in that time it's amazing so Taking omega-3 at that point as well is really useful. Yeah, so additionally to that, in terms of, I think it's really important to say that your your nutrient requirements kind of double in pregnancy, but actually your calorie requirements only increase by, say, up to about 30%, which is why supplements are great, because you're getting all the nutrients without them.
0: This is a good point, actually, isn't it? Because so many people always say, eating for two, all of these kind of things, but actually... You do need to increase calories slightly, don't you? But not a huge amount. Is that right? Yeah. So I'd say
1: first trimester, don't worry. And most of us are kind of, you know, battling through some kind of nausea at that point anyway. Um, And I'd I'd say um, second trimester, maybe a couple of hundred calories a day. Third trimester, maybe up to about 400, but it's so bespoke. It depends on your exercise levels and your metabolism and all of that. and, And the weight that you started your pregnancy at. So um as with everything that i'm saying including kind of supplements uh, supplement amounts and uh, micrograms and stuff it's it's really important that you have to kind of look at somebody on a one-to-one basis really because i I don't want somebody to kind of go away and make massive changes yeah without knowing kind of exactly what supplements people are taking for example it's difficult to advise specifically
0: okay and what foods should we be avoiding during pregnancy okay so um I would say that
1: um, the main things to watch out for are your unpasteurized milk and kind of mold ripened cheeses like camembert and brie, unfortunately, <laughs> for people who love those.
0: You can have Stilton though, can't you? You can, yes. Um, so it's, yes, and
1: I love Stilton. Or like...
0: So do I. When I found that out, I was
1: like, <laughs> yay. <laughs> the stronger, the better.
0: Um Exactly. Yeah, so it's just
1: because of the risk of listeria. So that's the only reason, um, which granted is really rare, but could have um, quite dangerous consequences in terms of your pregnancy. So it, you know, it could cause um, a miscarriage, for example. So very low risk, but quite a, a profound consequence if you, if you did have listeria was in the, in the, in the milk. So um, you just need to be careful of that. Another one would be your classic kind of undercooked meat um, or your kind of cured meats. So and then the risk with those is the uh, toxoplasmosis. So again, you're looking at kind of quite a toxic load onto the baby and the potential of, of miscarriage. Again, really low risk. And you have to remember that these days, compared to a while ago, the whole process of kind of making food is so much more sterile that these things are very, very, very rare. Um, So please, no one, no one worry. If you you have something or you really fancy something, you know, the risks are incredibly low. So don't, don't, please don't worry about
0: it. I think as well, definitely for me, like first time in pregnancy, I was really very like, I can't eat that, I can't eat that. And then second time I was a little bit more laid back. Like I'd be like, oh, I can have like a little bit of like, your meat, <laughs> it'll be okay. Um, and the other thing that they changed, didn't they, was uh, egg, like egg yolk, because I know that I think even in my first pregnancy, they said no uh, no to like runny egg yolk.
1: Yes. Like, yeah. And then for my
0: second, they changed it um, and it was okay to eat uh, runny yeah. egg. Yeah. I think,
1: um there used to be a kind of like is it, again that's related to salmonella so it's all, it's all about different types of bacteria that can appear in these types of foods um, and yeah. I think now you know again the risk of salmonella is so very very low that it's become actually the the again you're looking at risks and benefits aren't you and and the benefit exactly. egg far outweighs any risk the other one that sometimes comes up is nuts yes. and, and again I would say actually actually I mean it might be coincidental but I feel like the people whose children have nut allergies are actually more likely to have not eaten nuts in pregnancy
0: than actually mm. eating them. I think I've read some bits on this and that yeah. yeah, seems to be the general. And nuts are so
1: good for us that, I, again, I would say, you know, eat them, enjoy them because um, the benefits far outweigh the, outweigh the risks. Yeah the obvious ones. So, um, alcohol and caffeine or alcohol is a, a topic of discussion, isn't it? I know I read so many different things on this. So again, I would say, yeah, my advice would be go with, um, what your body's telling you in your first trimester, your body is likely to repel alcohol. And that's for a reason your body is like developing this baby and it's growing it, and it's forming. I would say, go with that. I would probably avoid alcohol in your first trimester um but again if you had you know a small glass of Prosecco or something don't worry about it please it's, everything's going to be fine and again we know that there are women yeah. who don't know they're pregnant and go on nights out and the baby's completely be fine and it does take a lot yep. of alcohol to cause something like fetal alcohol syndrome I think I read that only yeah. only a small proportion of actual alcoholic mothers go on to have a baby with fetal alcohol syndrome right yeah so it's a lot yeah you have to be kind of really um aware and uh, of that because it's not something that's very common so I would say then that after your kind of first trimester you know sticking to the kind of guidelines of a couple of units a couple of times a week is is fine you know I think by the end of both my pregnancies um I tended to have like a really small glass of wine in the evening when I was dinner like Mm -hmm. it probably ended up being most evenings and everything was absolutely fine and I felt comfortable with that I think it's always about the amount rather than the frequency so I would say keep it to the couple of units no more than that but if you want to have a glass of wine more than twice a week and have it three or four times that's fine you know That would be my personal advice. Everyone
0: has. And they used to recommend it, didn't they? I know they don't now, but they used to recommend like a glass of Guinness or a glass of red wine, didn't they? And things like that. I mean, obviously, all of this is probably a bit outdated. That's a bit outdated now. But um, yeah, I definitely, my second, I had, I know, what did we do? I know we had like a special occasion and I had like a a little glass of champagne and then I was at a wedding, you know, in a little glass. Um, I had the odd, odd bit here and there and I felt comfortable with that um so it's all about yeah you're right how comfortable you you personally feel with it
1: I think I think that's absolutely right and I think don't don't kind of um berate yourself and be harsh on yourself you know women have so much to think about during pregnancy and very often that midwives will say oh for goodness sake just go and have a bath and a glass of wine if you're stressed it's much more important to stay healthy and, and not stressed um and if having, you know, a glass of wine with a meal is something that you really enjoy, then for goodness sake, you know, have it. It's, it's it comes absolutely.
0: back to benefits and risks
1: again, doesn't it? it? Does it does it really does? And I think, um, yeah, it's just it's just so important to enjoy your pregnancy, you know, if and when you can. So I would say with coffee as well, it's kind of similar, really. I think it's basically what would be what what's good for us as people. It's probably not good for us to have more than one or two glasses of wine, therefore it's not going to be good for the baby. It's not good for us to have four or yeah. five coffees every day, therefore it's not going to be good for the baby. So try and keep caffeine um, yeah. levels to sort of, I think they recommend about 200 milligrams um, a day, um, which yeah. for it's probably about a couple of instant cups of coffee. But if you have a coffee machine like yeah. us, like my husband's bought, it's probably...
0: Probably one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. If you go to Starbucks a lot, it's probably like one one thing at Starbucks yeah cool anything else that you can think of that is kind of good to avoid or is that most of them I think
1: think that's it and again I always try and focus with people on like what to include rather than what to avoid I think you know it's much more positive to think that way so I think obviously steer clear of those things um, if you can um, but don't worry if you have something accidentally or you feel you've had a glass of wine too many, I'm sure everything will be absolutely fine. So just yeah. uh, just try and be mindful of it, that's all.
0: Okay, so we had some listener questions, so I'm going to ask those. Um, and we may have covered some of it, although maybe not, um, But but I'll ask you. Okay, so um let's ask you the first one so somebody asked how do you manage eating healthy if you only fancy bad things like chocolate and cake yeah
1: I was thinking about this one so I think basically have okay have the chocolate and cake that's fine um I think you could do things to help yourself like maybe do homemade chocolate you know and cake so make make your own cakes because it's like it's likely that they're better than getting stuff Mm -hmm. from the shop like the bakery section of tesco or something it's probably like (laughs) uh, you know at least you know what's going in them they're kind of fairly pure ingredients rather than like lots of shop-bought processed stuff i would say yeah yeah i'd be mindful that like we've talked about your baby is going to take what it needs from what you've eaten prior to pregnancy. But on that note, if you've, (laughs) if you've been eating a diet of cake prior to pregnancy, then, you know, be mindful of that and think about the fact that you probably do need to try and kind of get some nutrition in, in some form or or another. So um, maybe trying to do things like smoothies or, and soups stuff that you're kind of, kind of, it's quite an um, intense amount of nutrition in maybe like a liquid form can sometimes people, if they're really not feeling like having kind of massive meals or cooking and stuff like that. So again, I would focus on making sure that you're trying to have nutrition in addition to the chocolate and cake rather than worrying about cutting back on the chocolate and cake. It's kind of making sure that you've got the nutrition there. Don't worry too much about having the fun thing. as well.
0: Is it likely that if you are fancying or craving things like that, is it, is it your body being deficient in something else? Yeah, sometimes when we crave things,
1: um that's not always the case with like sugary things, because obviously sugar is a habit, but um when we yeah. crave things <clears throat> like chocolate can sometimes indicate um a deficiency in something like magnesium. So yes, go with it. But again, think about the quality of what you're having. Like not all chocolate bars are made equal. So, you know, a yeah. nice bar of green and blacks, for example, is probably um gonna be more beneficial than um a bar of dairy milk or something. But again, don't obsess about it, but just think about the quality
0: of the food that you're having is really important. Okay, someone else has asked for your thoughts on vegan pregnancies.
1: Yeah, this is a really
0: good question, actually. Um, I think, again, we're
1: looking at um, benefits and risks. So I think if you are a vegan and you're a very um, passionate, committed vegan um, and eating that way makes you really happy and it's important to you, then I think by all means continue with that way of eating during pregnancy um vegan diets can be very very healthy you do need to be really planned about it so you need to make sure that you're um kind of making sure that you're um, taking in enough calcium iron protein b vitamins so it's difficult still now to be a kind of kind of a spontaneous vegan particularly if you're like on the move a lot so you'll find it's I know friends of mine who are vegans say it's really difficult to get kind of snacks and stuff if you're out and about rushing around and it's quite difficult to find something that you can have other than fruit um, so just be mindful of planning um and make sure that you're really yeah. thinking about making sure you're getting all those nutrients in if you're somebody that's kind of like plays with the idea of being a vegan and you're not totally convinced by it i would say that probably that's going to make you more likely to be less planned so therefore maybe pregnancy isn't the time to be pursuing um if you kind of feel that maybe actually you could cope with the idea of having a little bit of um meat um and fish and and dairy then um particularly the fish because of the omega-3 content i would say you know, do you have, do you have that? So it sort of depends where you are with
0: it. That's great advice. That's really good. Okay. Someone else has asked, uh, foods to help avoid gestational diabetes. Yeah. So
1: I, I would say, um, to some extent, gestational diabetes is sort of out of your control to some extent. So there are certain factors like, um, your race, um, your family history. If you've had a, previously large baby all of those factors and your age as well can kind of make it more likely to develop however there's a couple of things um like your uh, bmi um, and whether you're pre-diabetic prior to pregnancy that can uh, reduce the risk so it's really about making sure that you're um following a kind of fairly like low glycemic index diet and low glycemic load so kind of trying to keep your Sugar levels um, under control. Um, so focusing on your whole grain carbohydrates, maybe going for kind of your sweet potato rather than your potato, um, reducing those white carbs and obviously, you know, processed sugar and stuff like that, just trying to keep those things under control, eating all the things that I've recommended really that make a kind of healthy, balanced diet, and just keeping an eye on those. Um, that should that should keep it, you know, at bay, I guess.
0: Um, okay, so someone's asked about pregnancy and postpartum supplements we have covered probably quite a lot of that haven't we what about in terms of just po- uh, postpartum specifically and i know we're probably going to do a separate episode on nutrition after the baby but are there any kind of supplements for taking after the baby that are beneficial um i would say really to
1: focus on continuing you know continuing with what you've been taking during pregnancy um you know, obviously, we know that if you if you're breastfeeding, particularly, that's going to be a massive pull on your nutrients. So I'd say certainly don't reduce anything. You know, you, you want to be kind of increasing the uh, vitamin and mineral you're taking during pregnancy compared to preconception. But then I think don't drop it back down again after you have the baby. Keep it, you know, keep it really high, particularly if you're breastfeeding. Um, yeah, well, we can talk about that in a sort of this there's, there's quite a lot involved with the postpartum journey so I think we'll talk about that
0: in our our next one we'll do that specifically yeah Um, and then lastly someone has asked is a small amount of liver okay towards the end of pregnancy yeah again
1: I'd say a small amount is absolutely fine it's it's just because of the vitamin a and vitamin a is something not this doesn't happen with all vitamins and minerals but your body really does hold on to vitamin a if it's not used so it can kind of almost like build up in your body and an excess of it can be toxic to the baby. But I would say right. really love liver. <laughs> um, <laughs> you could have it, um, you know, maybe once a month um, and it would, it would be fine. A small amount once a month is fine, but just not too frequently.
0: Perfect. Well, they are all the listener questions. Is there anything else that you want to add in about pre uh, or, or current pregnancy? <laughs> What's the right word? Um, nutrition. Um, um having said everything i've said and gone into
1: like the micronutrients and things like that i would say you know overall just enjoy enjoy your food You know, it's a really you know often if you've kind of got through the sickness stage you know you can really have a great appetite in pregnancy um just enjoy enjoy it enjoy maybe focusing on um kind of different cuisines and like cooking different meals try Cooking a different meal each week, keep yourself inspired and kind of enjoy that like real like partiness advice, I suppose. I think if you're eating good home-cooked food um, and you're taking your supplements, basically you're you're doing everything you can and don't obsess too much about the individual nutrients and and just enjoy it.
0: Great advice. Thank you. Well, thanks for all your advice. As as I said, like, definitely we'll do another episode because there's so much else to cover. Like, as we said, postpartum and then also weaning, like when the baby starts actually um, eating and things like that. So all of it in one episode would probably have been a mammoth. Uh, episode so um, we'll definitely have a separate chat another day about all of those things Um, but yeah thank you I think it's really informative and I think it's something that you know a lot of people when they're pregnant are really interested in and to have it all in kind of one one place i'm gonna at the beginning i'm gonna tell people to get a a pen and paper and write write down some of the really interesting and important things that you've said um but yeah thank you where can people kind of come and find you so if they want to know a bit more if they want to talk to you where can they find you
1: um, so yeah, you can find me on Instagram, although my Instagram page is kind of a, yeah, it's sort of a bit of a personal page as well. But I think, you know, a, a lot of people's are, um, and so I'll be Haley Francis Nutrition on Instagram and then, um, just on Google. If you Google Haley Francis Nutrition, I'll, I'll come up and um and then yeah my contact details are on
0: there so I'll leave I'll leave all of the links in the um description anyway so I'll put all of your details there in case people want to have a chat with you personally or um you know find out a bit more about anything specific um, they can contact you but thank you so much and um as I said we'll get you back um soon and we'll do a postpartum edition of um the episode but it's been really lovely talking to you and uh, yeah thank you <laughs> Thank you so much. And thank
1: you for everything you do because it's it's obviously helping so many people. I think it's brilliant. So well done.
0: Thank you. <laughs> oh, cheers. Thank you. I'll speak to you soon. Okay, take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to Haley for taking the time to come and talk to me all about nutrition. Uh, I found it really interesting and I learned lots of things. So hopefully you guys did too. As we said, she'll be back on the podcast um, in a little bit to do a follow-up and um, that will cover postpartum and uh, weaning as well. So this is going to be the last episode for 2021. I'll be back in 2022 uh, with some new episodes but I just want to say a really really big thank you to everybody who has supported the podcast Uh, not just over the last year, but since it started two years ago. I honestly, I'm overwhelmed with the amount of support it's had, the amount of listeners, downloads, uh, you know, the amount of you that that message me and follow me and support me. So thank you so, so much. It means so much to me and I wish everybody, um, you know, a really happy festive period and a really, really happy new year as well. And I will see you in 2022. Goodbye.